is the Pete Callender Show on News Radio 570 WWNC. Alrighty, happy Thursday. It's 84 degrees in West Asheville outside of the Apple Tree Automotive Superstore Studio. And uh, we have a lot of different topics to get to today. A lot of different news. Seemingly unrelated. Will I be able to tie all of the stories together into one overarching theme? Probably not. But stick around. We'll see if it happens. Um, Let's see here. So uh, we've got the city of Statesville that has now said they're totally going to change their flag ordinance to accommodate Gander Mountain. Or sorry, Gander Outdoors. Their big American flag is flying over the the interstate over I-77, the big flag flap. So we've got some movement on that. By the way, the uh, chairman and CEO of Camping World, which bought Gander, a fellow by the name of Marcus Lemonis, who is the prophet on CNBC, which is a great show if you ever want to watch. It's like a reality show, but he's... It's a reality show, but it's, uh, it's you know, edited and stuff. And he goes into, and every show is a business. And he goes in and he tries to save a, a struggling business that has asked him to come help. And uh, he's he's in Statesville. He's, he's coming to Statesville today. And he said he's willing to talk with any uh, city or county uh, or, yeah, with anyone from the council or city who is available. He's willing to talk with anybody. So, um I, uh, I just sent him a tweet, like, is there going to be a news conference that we can carry live? If not, love to have you on the show. We'll see what happens. Where I can tell him that I love watching his television show. Okay, fine, yes, let's talk about the flag. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting because some uh, he, he has responded to a couple of people on Twitter who have accused him of simply using all of this as a PR stunt. He says that's not true. He actually has eyes on a federal code so we'll get to that uh what else we got oh the civic center naming rights i did not get to all of the audio yesterday uh so we we will pick that back up again just to finish it out but i want to start with a story that the new york times did today in coordination with the left-wing common cause uh nonprofit group and i say in coordination because it is obviously coordination what occurred here and this is one of those examples like i i separate i separate these types of stories into different uh categories or i guess like the financial world would call them tranches or something like i i i look at these stories from different angles and yes you have the angle of what is the story but then the other angle of the story or the other angle that you look at this kind of an issue is you know what is not being told but also how is it being told who is telling you the story and by 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 looking at the story from all the different angles you get a fuller understanding of of what's occurring rather than just what is printed so when the new york times published this piece today headlined Deceased GOP strategists' hard drives reveal new details on the census citizenship question. A lot of Democrats and lefties, dare I say it, pounced. Some of them even seized, if you will. Um, as you read this article, and it's a pretty lengthy article, it's, it's about Thomas 
Hoffler, Hoffler, who was the guy who did the um, the redistricting maps for North Carolina, and he passed away. And do you remember a couple of weeks ago we brought you the story that came from the left wing NC Policy Watch crowd, uh, who is part of that, you know, they're part of that array of left wing nonprofits, you know, that are this little cottage industry advising Democratic policy. And uh, NC Policy Watch had the story of the daughter of the late Thomas Hoffeller who lifted all of his hard drives, all of his thumb drives and everything else. And at the time when I did, when we read that story, I went and did a quick Google search and found out some of her history and she was estranged from her parents. And I've got that story again. I've got the highlights of that, but that's never mentioned her background. And the story that she tells is just regurgitated, you know, by the New York Times. They don't, uh, they don't think it's curious, her story, as to how she came in possession of this information. Her story of why she took it to Common Cause, a plaintiff against the Republicans, right? They're suing the Republicans and Thomas Hoffler over the maps. And she took it to them. And they don't question why that occurred. They just kind of dismiss it. I'll get, I will get to that. Um, I look at, I look at the, the way the daughter came, uh, came in possession of this information. I look at who she handed it off to. I look at the motivations behind all of these groups. And I look at the way the New York Times does this story before even Common Cause publishes their press release, before even Common Cause puts the filing out. How is it the New York Times scooped common cause on their own court filing? How does that happen? Well, obviously, they have the court filing, and they quote it. They quote the court filing, and that's it. They don't quote – there's no attempt here, obviously, to get in touch with the lawyers for the other side. Uh, there's no attempt to contact Mrs. Hoffler, which makes sense because, as I understand it, she is not of her full faculties, which then raises some other questions about how their daughter came into possession of these items when Mr. Hoffler died. If mom is not in, if she's not, you know, in control of her full faculties and is in, uh, in a facility, then... How does the daughter have permission to go take the possessions of her dad from their house? Yeah, see, I have a lot of questions that the New York Times, obviously, like they interviewed her and they didn't feel the need to ask any of these questions. So that's a backdrop. So you got to keep all of that other stuff in mind. But the, 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 the crux of the story here is that what was on the files that was the the the, the uh, thumb drives and the hard drives, the files that were given to these litigants that they then read through and are now using in the court cases, one of which isn't even related to the North Carolina redistricting case. Hence, the New York Times' uh, focus on this. This is about the question on the census of whether or not you are a citizen. 
the lawsuit, the fight over whether or not to put that question on the census, that that's at the Supreme Court. And what's on Hoffler's files sheds new light into how that question and how that push came about in the Trump administration. And there are two fellas that may very well have committed perjury here because they said uh, for what, what their description of how this inform or, or how this idea came about doesn't appear to be accurate. Okay. Does not appear to be true. So this is the New York times. I'm going to give you the highlights here. Thomas B. Hoffeler achieved near mythic status in the Republican party as the Michelangelo of gerrymandering. Okay. Thomas Hoffler achieved near-mythic status among the left because of his ability to redistrict and gerrymander. I don't think Republicans held him as, like, near-mythic status. Democrats do. Democrats, I mean, he's like the Koch brothers. Like, he's one of the Koch brothers, you know? They found out who this guy was, and it was... He became, sort of, he became the focus of the ire. Um... He was the architect of partisan political maps that cemented the party's dominance across the country. But after he died last summer, his estranged daughter discovered hard drives in her father's home that revealed something else. Mr. Hoffeler had played a crucial role in the Trump administration's decision to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census. Hang on a second. To the 2020 census. Feel like it, just feel like it deserves the full uh, emotional uh, heartstring pull there. Um, but I like this line. His estranged daughter discovered the hard drives. His estranged... Talk about soft pedaling. This... She didn't even know he died until she did a Google search on him. Unrelated, she just, we are to believe, this is by her own words, she didn't even know he was dead. She just, for one reason or another, hey, you know what, I wonder how dad's doing. Let me just type in his name. Oh, look at that, he died. Let me go raid the house. She discovered the hard drives. Yes, I guess you could say you discovered them. Much like the cops discovered the child that you had taken from your parents' home and transported across state lines back in, what, 2014 or so. Much like that. Much like how the police discovered you and the child in the house, even though your abusive husband denied that you were there and then everybody went to jail and the child was sent back to the, uh, to the Hoffelers back in North Carolina. Kind of like that discovery? More, less, what? Kind of the same? Files on the hard drives showed that he wrote a study in 2015 concluding that adding, so this is an unpublished study that he did, concluding that adding a citizenship question to the census would allow Republicans to draft even more extreme gerrymandered maps to stymie Democrats. Even more extreme gerrymandered maps. So you got to go through a couple of if then this, then that 
kind of permutations, so this logical progression. You got to walk through each of these steps, and we'll go through them. There's not many. There's like three, but in order to get to this conclusion, you've got to go through a couple of steps. All right, and his and and they they go over like why he did this study. He was asked to do this study. He was asked to take a look. What would happen if you were to vote, but only with American citizens? Uh, what what would that or not what uh, not to vote but what, to draw the maps if you were to draw the maps but it was only based on American citizens and he was asked to do this so he did it and he found that if you were to do that you would have fewer Hispanics voting and you would have fewer Hispanics represented in the census and you would have fewer Hispanics therefore represented in the district. They wouldn't be counted because they're not citizens. If you're not counting citizens, then you're not counting the non-citizens. And if you're not counting that person, then your population number shrinks for the, di- for the congressional district. And when that congressional district number, uh, population number shrinks, you have to expand the border of the district. You have to reach out. And as you reach out of, let's say, an urban area where a lot of Hispanic people are and non-citizen people are living, you start expanding out geographically. What do you then start gobbling up? Republicans. (laughs) And when you start putting Republicans into the districts, now those districts aren't as safe anymore for the Democrats. Ergo, (laughs) you see see what I mean? If you do this, then... So if you ask the question, are you a citizen... The idea here is that non-citizens afraid of deportation won't answer. And so they just won't participate. Or if you can use the non-citizen number and cut, and, and cut it out of the, of the redistricting maps altogether, you just eliminate that uh, cohort, then you have to expand the size of the district to take in more people because they all, ha- all the districts have to be balanced equally among uh, the state's population. So they all have to be the same size population-wise which brings in more Republicans, which gives you the ability to draw the lines to favor more Republicans. This is not, by the way, this is not shocking news. I'm not sure why everybody, this is at the heart of the entire issue, okay? The the Republicans and the Democrats, they, they both have these sort of public arguments that they make about it. These are the public arguments. Right? The public argument is, you know, everybody should be counted. That's what Democrats say. But that's the public argument. The private argument is that they need those people to be counted so they get more Democrats in the area, so they can get more seats, so they can get more power. Like, that's the, that's the private argument. And I'm supposed to be shocked and amazed that the Republicans also have a variation of that argument. They have their public argument, and they have their private argument. And oh my gosh, I can't believe the private argument. Really? This is politics. As one Democrat consultant in North Carolina quoted to us recently, politics ain't beanbag. Remember? So, um, months after urging President Trump's transition team to tack the question onto the census, Hoffler wrote the key portion of a draft Justice Department letter claiming the question was needed to enforce the 1965 Voting Rights Act, the rationale the administration later used to justify its decision. 
Okay, so there's the public argument. We have to do this in order to enforce the Voting Rights Act of 1965. That may be true, but it's not the whole truth. See, there are different angles because the other angle here is if we do this, then we can draw maps that help ensure we win more seats. And we we prefer to win more seats rather than lose seats, just like Democrats prefer to win more seats than lose more seats, right? That's at the end of the day, this is I just said it again. Like this this is actually the uh the core of the argument. They just they're fighting over how to get power within the confines of the law. That's what they're arguing over. The documents were cited in a federal court filing Thursday by opponents seeking to block the citizenship question. They have emerged only weeks before the Supreme Court is expected to rule on the legality of the citizenship question. Critics say adding the question would deter many immigrants, many immigrants from being counted. Why would it deter immigrants from being counted? Have any idea? Why, why would that happen? If I'm an immigrant, why would I not answer the census questions? They say, are you, are you a citizen or are you not a citizen? Oh, I'm not a citizen. I'm here on a visa, whatever. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, I think they mean illegal immigrants. See, it's not clear because the New York Times doesn't, for some reason or another, they're not, they're not breaking down that cohort of immigrants because there are legal immigrants and illegal immigrants. Somebody who is here legally with all of the correct documents, they are documented. Why would they, why would they not answer the questions in the census, right? They would. They would answer the questions. There's not, they don't have anything to fear. They are here legally. So the critics say that this question would deter many illegal immigrants, I would assume. Illegal. They don't say it, but I'm assuming illegal immigrants from being counted and shift political power to Republican areas. The disclosures represent the most explicit evidence to date that the Trump administration added the question to the 2020 census to advance Republican Party interests. The critics, by the way, not advancing Democratic Party interests. That never happens. They're just looking out for the best interests of the people. Of the the downtrodden, the poor, huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Okay? They have no political motivation in any of this whatsoever. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. The Pete Callender Show. Wow, look at all these knobs and buttons. I will say this, the, uh, the passing of Thomas Hoffler, he was 75 years old, and the, you know, the, the, the way this has all transpired with his daughter driving down from, I think she's up in West Virginia still, and she drove, you know, drove in and went and swiped a bunch of stuff from her parents' house. Like, that, it really, to me, it's like, have a plan. Have a plan. You know? Plan for your, you know, for your death and how you want that to be handled. But before death, on a more positive note, plan for your retirement, you know? Plan for retirement. Um, 
And if you're looking at the stock market, maybe the, you know, the, the, the trade wars and all of that stuff has got you kind of concerned and you don't know what to make of it all, call my friend Raymond Marks. His phone number is 800-715-4755. He'll sit down with you for a complimentary retirement readiness review. And he'll talk with you about uh, what you want to do with your retirement. How do you want to spend your days and nights and stuff? Do you want to move? Do you want to travel? Um, and then how do you fund those plans? Have you set money aside? If so, how much? Where is it invested? Is that a good deal for what you're trying to accomplish? And he can help you on that path, uh, on that road of your retirement. That, look, nobody knows how long that's going to last. Nobody knows how long retirement lasts. You know? It's one of the great mysteries. <laughs> uh, so you want to have an income stream, dedicated income stream, that comes to you uh, throughout the duration of your retirement. So call Raymond, 800-715-4755, and schedule your complimentary retirement readiness review. Again, 800-715-4755. RaymondMarks.com is the website. Raymond, M-A-R-X dot com. Um, in Supreme Court arguments in April over the legality of whether or not the Census Bureau can ask whether or not a person is a citizen, the Trump administration argued that the benefits of obtaining more accurate citizenship data offset any damage stemming from what critics say will be the likely depressed response to the census by minority groups and non-citizens. This is a... And this is a legitimate argument that, like, I can see both sides of this argument. When you're counting people, do you count the non-citizens? Do they count towards representation? Mm. But if you're allocating money based on population, you have a whole bunch of non-citizens in an area, and you're allocating money on a per capita basis, like per head, right, per person, then... Doesn't that, shouldn't that factor in some way or another? And I know the hardline position on this. Let me stop you there. I know what you're going to say. It shouldn't get out any money. Right, all you're doing, though, is bankrupting the, the local jurisdictions that have to deal with the failed federal immigration policy, right? So you got local jurisdictions that have to deal with the ramifications of the lack of enforcement that the feds are doing. So essentially what you're doing is screwing the locals over on the, on the front end and then the back end as well. And I understand, I agree that the solution is fixing the federal immigration system, but that does not appear to be happening at this time. So I can see the argument for counting the people that are here. Now, how you use the data, <laughs> that's a different question. Um, but I also understand the idea that no, you know what? You're not supposed to be here. You're not a citizen. And if you are not here legally, then no, we, we're not going to count you because you shouldn't be here. I understand that argument as well. I, and I, I like depending on, <laughs> depending on the day, I could, take both, I could take either side of that argument. I could see the merits uh, of both. I can also see the loophole in both. But um, the administration is arguing that whatever depressed uh, response rate you get that's 
more than offset by more accurate citizenship data. Because their argument is we don't even know how many people are here. And that's kind of true, right? We don't know. So we're making policy and we're allocating funds, we're doing all this stuff, but we don't know what the actual headcount is because we don't know how many people are citizens versus not citizens. These are the public debates, right? The public PR debates that everybody has out in the open. What they're having privately, the debate privately, is how do we make sure that how we do the count benefits our philosophy, our political party and both of the parties are doing this, okay? This isn't only the Republicans. It isn't only the Democrats. Both parties are angling for the advantage here, privately. But now publicly, because Hoffler's uh, thumb drives got lifted by his estranged daughter. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Pete Callender Show. Mm, that's tasteless, disgusting, and offensive. I like it. Smoke last Tuesday, didn't even take a sip. It's Wednesday night, she's bumming butts and sinking like a ship. News Radio 570 WWNC. The New York Times, in a piece by Michael Wines, that's his name, Michael Wines, um, talking about uh, a a series of files, a bunch of files on thumb drives and hard uh, and hard drives that were obtained by the daughter of Thomas Hoffeller. Thomas Hoffeller, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly. Hoffeller? 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 Hoffeller. Um, he died uh, about a month or so ago. He was 75. He was the map maker for the North Carolina General Assembly for the Republicans. He also worked for other Republicans. He was a Republican, and he did a lot of this work for Republicans. By the way, Democrats do this work as well. Both of the parties do this kind of gerrymandering, redistricting. They all do it. But I'm only supposed to be outraged when the Republicans do it. I know. So he dies. His daughter, who lives in another state, hasn't spoken to dad the last time. I don't even know if... I don't know when the last time they spoke, but they had to... Uh, police had to go to the daughter's house. I might as well just go ahead and might as well just mention this now. Let me go ahead and do it. This was from 2015 from the Herald Dispatch, Charleston, West Virginia. A West Virginia woman and her husband, accused of chaining and torturing her for years, were both behind bars Wednesday on charges they violated a custody order for their two-year-old son. Stephanie Lizon, or Lizon, uh, that's the daughter, 43 years old, and Peter Lizon, 39, were being held at the South Central Regional Jail. Her bond at $50,000. His was five grand. Media outlets say the couple was arrested after authorities found their son at their Jackson County farm. Stephanie Lizon 
had moved to Alexandria, Virginia with her parents after her husband's arrest on a malicious wounding charge last summer. Her parents won custody of her son in December, but authorities say she recently took the boy from them. Stephanie Lison is charged with child concealment. Her husband is charged with obstruction for allegedly lying about his wife and son's whereabouts. The child was returned to her parents. The Hoffelers in North Carolina. So to say that she was estranged from her parents is a bit of an understatement, don't you think? Not simply estranged. They, they had a custody order for her kid. So there's that. But the Supreme Court heard arguments in April over the legality of whether or not the U.S. Census can ask whether you are or are not a citizen. And uh, during that uh, proceeding, certain representations were made about how this idea came about and that sort of thing. And what we now know is that what was told to the court apparently might not have been the whole story, and by that I mean a lie. <laughs> this, which... This is where some people are going to be in a lot of trouble if they were lying to the courts and all of this. So uh, the New York Times points out that in nearly 230 years, the census has never asked all respondents whether they are American citizens. There's a nice little wiggle word right there. Did you catch it? Did you catch it, Tang? I'll read the sentence again, see if you can pick it up. In nearly 230 years, the census has never asked all respondents whether they are American citizens. All respondents. All respondents. Has never asked all respondents. So it has asked. It just hasn't asked all respondents before. Interesting. Until now, Mr. Hoffler seemed a bystander in the citizenship question debate, mentioned but once in thousands of pages of lawsuit depositions and evidence. Proof of his deeper involvement surfaced only recently, and only after a remarkable string of events, beginning after his death in August at age 75. Oh, this is a remarkable string of events. Just note the language. Mr. Hoffler was survived by a daughter, Stephanie Hoffler. Notice they don't give you her name, Hoffler Lison. Maybe she's divorced by now, but they don't give you that name. So in case you're interested in trying to find out anything about her or anything, you're going to have a more difficult time. But be that as it may, Stephanie Hoffler, for whom he had been estranged since 2014. In an interview, Ms. Hoffler said... She learned of her father's death by accident after searching for his name on the Internet. Show of hands, everybody. Who believes that? Yeah, no. Just sitting at home one day shortly after his death. You know what? I wonder how dad's doing. I don't know. Let me just Google him. Why would you Google your dad just by accident? What, like... What prompts you to Google your father? Think about that. Think about the circumstances and the mindset that you must have to Google your father. What are you, what are you looking for? 
assuming that she's telling the truth here, right? Assuming that she had no idea he was dead, what are you Googling him for? You're not going to Google him to find out if he's okay, if he's still alive, or maybe you just want to check in and see if he is still alive. And look at that, he's not. Oh, my gosh. My monthly check-in to see if dad's dead or not, you know, by Google, right? I don't know. I'm not estranged from my parents, so I have no idea what people who are estranged do you do that sort of thing. But it's it to me, the reason you're doing that is because you know what dad does, and that does come out later in the article. You know what dad does, and you don't like what dad does, and you keep tabs on dad and his politics and what he's up to and that sort of stuff. You're you're keeping track of him. For whatever reason. Um, her politics do come into play in this story, by the way. So uh, you're keeping track of him for whatever reason, and that's why you're Googling him. There's really no other reason to Google him unless you're, like I said, doing a monthly wellness check, essentially. Did he die? Let me check. Because there's no other way that you can do that, I guess. I suspect, though, just spitballing here, but I suspect she knew he died, and she Googled him or Googled to find out all of the litigation that was going on and who she needed to contact. Because, listen, to the story gets more unbelievable. You'll know why I'm spitballing this suggestion in a second here. Um, she learned of her father's death by accident after searching for his name on the Internet and returned to her parents' retirement home in Raleigh to see her mother. To see her mom. Sorting through his personal effects, looking for items that she had asked her father to save for her, Stephanie Hoffler came across a clear plastic bag holding four external hard drives and 18 thumb drives, backup, uh, backups of data on Mr. Hoffler's Toshiba laptop. Her mother gave Ms. Hoffler the backups. When the... When this cache of information was originally discovered by the litigants in this case, the lawyers for the Republicans said they have, they have some serious questions about the chain of custody, essentially, of how this woman got this, these thumb drives, these, this, uh, the data. And there was a reference made to Kathleen Hoffeller not being in full control or command of her faculties. I don't know if she's suffering from dementia or something, but there is some sort of medical thing going on that has raised that that has ra has raised questions about whether or not she could even consent to give the daughter these things. Okay, first off. Second of all, let's assume that Kathleen Hoffler is. If you went down there if you came to town, you didn't even know dad was dead. But you're like, I need to come and see mom. And then you show up because, oh, I told dad that save a bunch of stuff for me. I guess this was while you were still talking to him before you needed Google to tell you whether your father was dead. So you, uh, you show up at the house. You're like, hey, mom, how's it going? I'm here to pick up the stuff that dad you know, set aside for me. Oh, and look at that. A whole bunch of uh, hard drives and thumb drives and stuff. Oh, that's interesting. And then just sitting over there in this big plastic bag. I wonder what that's all about. I mean, I came for this other stuff, not that, you know, not the data, 
not the thumb drives. But, you know, while I'm here, can I take this stuff? By the way, it's completely unrelated to the fact that I Googled Dad yesterday and found out he was dead and found out he was, like, at the heart of all of these lawsuits and stuff over gerrymandering. Completely unrelated. There's another element here. So, again, like, this is, to me, it's very clear what has occurred here. Um, either the, the New York Times knows this, too, and decided to write it in the fashion they wrote it by breaking up this story into different parts and moving them far away from each other in the story so this way it would be harder to connect these dots for you. Or they're idiots and they don't understand that they're being lied to about all of this. Um, so they're, they're, they're either not very good journalists or they're essentially Democrats with a byline. I don't really care which it is. The result is still the same. Sorting through the personal effects, she finds these things. Um, and her mother gave Ms. Hoffler the backups, which turned out to hold some 75,000 files, family photographs and other personal data, but also a huge trove of documents related to Mr. Hoffler's work as a Republican consultant. Late last year, Ms. Hoffler said, she contacted the Raleigh office of the advocacy group Common Cause, seeking its help in finding a lawyer unconnected to her father to help settle his estate. Late last year, she contacted Common Cause to ask for a lawyer to help her settle his estate. He wasn't dead. He died in August. And you called up Common Cause, the, the people, the group suing your dad. You called them late last year for help in settling the estate of your not dead dad. And then when he does die, you, oh, Google. Oh, I Googled it and found out he was dead. And let me swoop on in there and get those thumb drives and hard drives. And mom said I could have them, even though mom may not be mentally all there. Mom said I could have them. Here you go, common cause. That's who she gave them to. Completely coincidental, I'm sure. By the way, common cause. Are they in the business of referring estate lawyers to people? What, what's Of all of the people, of all of the groups that you would call for a reference for estate planning. <laughs> Why would it be common cause? <laughs> it's, a, it's a left-wing lawsuit factory. What, what exactly do you think they're going to be helping you settle? She knew exactly what she was doing. This is, co this is a coordinated effort. She worked with common cause. So when dad died, she went in and got the stuff that Common Cause wanted but couldn't get. That's what happened here. It's very clear to me, very clear to me, she loathes her father. Loathes him. Probably has something to do with the fights over whether or not she was a fit mother. Also politics. Because later on... Ms. Hoffeller said her decision to open her father's files to his opponents was a bid for transparency, devoid of personal or political animus. This is not why she did it, she says. Uh, this is just for transparency, people. This is not about my personal 
feelings for my dad, you know, who got custody of my son. Um, and then I stole, I went and kidnapped my son from them, you know, and then the cops had to come and take my son back and give him to my, my dad. Like, that's not what this is about at all. There's no personal animus just because I don't talk to him and didn't even know he was dead until I Googled him. By the way, anybody want to take a bet on whether or not the folks from Common Cause were the ones that told her that her dad died? I bet that's what happened. I, I would put money on someone from Common Cause because she called them, remember. She called them saying, what do I need to do about estate planning for my dad? Thomas Hoffler. Look, if I were to come into Thomas Hoffler's uh, CDs and thumb drives and stuff, uh, what would I be able to do with that as, you know, the next of kin for estate planning purposes? Would I have to say that mom gave them to me? Would, it, would that be required? I got to. Oh, OK. If you can't see what happened here. She calls them late last year. They tell her this is how you proceed to get the stuff when he dies. This is how you get the stuff. This is what we want. This is how you get it. No, 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 Pete. That's just conspiratorial. Maybe. But um, she was referred only after several conversations with a staff member did she mention she had the hard drives. And she just mentioned it in passing. Remarking almost jokingly that an expert on gerrymanders might find a lot of uh, a lot in them that was of interest. That's just oh, <laughs> my dad is. Oh, I'm just talking to a staffer at Common Cause about estate planning referrals, and you just mentioned in in passing, just as a joke, you know, <laughs> Daddy does gerrymandering. Do you think Common Cause doesn't know who Thomas Hoffler is? And then. Oh, then they got interested. Once I made the joke, then, like, maybe they were interested. My understanding, she said, um, was that anything that would be on these hard drives was duplicative of things that had already been hashed out in court challenges. So they already knew everything that was on here. So it's, they didn't even want it, really. Like, I was trying to tell them, you know, you probably could, I don't know, find this stuff interesting. I'm not a gerrymandering expert. I mean, who are you people? You're just a referral service for estate planning. In fact, Common Cause had recently filed a brand new lawsuit at the time in state court. So Common Cause had just filed a lawsuit and she reaches out to them for a referral on estate planning. And mentions in passing, ha ha ha, what a joke, my dad is the gerrymandering king. Oh, but I didn't think they would want any of that information. When the staff member told her of the lawsuit, she said, wow, this might be of use. That might be the first true thing she said. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. The Pete Callender Show. Am I right or am I right or am I right? Right, right, right. Three words for you. Smart home automation. Smart home automation. Do you have things that have smart features? Like uh, I remember uh, my wife and I bought a washer and dryer and a couple of years, several years ago. And it had like, it was like smart technology. I don't know what for. I think like the idea was you could like program it and set the the washer, you know, for when you're not there, stuff like that. 
but uh, we never did that because, like, we always were afraid. Like, you set your your washing machine going, and then you leave, and then what if it breaks and it just starts flooding everywhere? That was always that's always my concern. Um, but what if smart home automation means you can have that technology in your washing machine, but then you also have an alarm that lets you know if the uh, if that breaks and then you start getting flooding, and it would shut the washing machine off. You could do all of that. This is part of the smart home automation feature that is available with Security Camera Warehouse. Not only do they make great cameras, and not only do they have live local uh, customer support, tech support, for free, forever, never some offshore call center, but their new alarm system line, all of these alarms from you know carbon monoxide, intrusion, heat, smoke, fire, uh, flooding and freezing, the personal safe care alarm as well, call an ambulance for you if you uh, press the button. All of this stuff can be integrated with the simple download of an app with SCW. So you can shut down things that need to be shut down after you're alerted about flooding or freezing or heat or something. It's remarkable technology. Check it out at scwsecurity.com. scwsecurity.com. The right choice for your security system. I I feel the need to point out here uh, in my... My coverage of this story on uh, Mr. Hoffler's daughter and the the files that she lifted. Um, I recognize I'm doing a pretty bad job of masking my contempt for her. And it's not because of the information that that is now available. It's not like, oh, you're just mad that you got caught. It's not like this is not a surprise to me and... That's a, like I said, that's a separate angle. It's a separate story, and you're going to get lots of coverage on that. I just find it to be a contemptible thing to do to your parents, you know, that you haven't spoken to. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. This is the Pete Callender Show on News Radio 570 WWNC. Email from Monica to Pete at WWNC.com. Pete, I wonder if Stephanie Hoffler thought that the thumb drives and stuff were financials. Yeah? Probably, yeah. I mean, I have no doubt she went in there and saw all of the data and took it. She saw all of this stuff and said, there's probably a whole bunch of stuff on this. The the fact that remains, though, that prior to her going there in August, about nine or ten months prior, almost a year prior, she called up Common Cause. According to this New York Times article, she called Common Cause. Of all of the people, of all of the groups in America, of all of the lawyers... In North Carolina, of all of the nonprofit groups, of all of the websites, of anybody that she could have gone to to ask for help in estate planning, how to settle her living father's estate, she chose common cause. And I'm supposed to believe this. I'm supposed to, the New York Times tells me this in their story, and I'm just supposed to believe that she coincidentally contacted Common Cause out of the blue to discuss with them 
what should I do with, uh, you know, my dad passes away. He's 75. Maybe she knew he was in failing health or something. I don't know. Sorting through his personal effects, looking for items she had asked her father to save for her, Stephanie Hoffler came across a clear plastic bag holding four external hard drives and 18 thumb drives, backups of data on Mr. Hoffler's Toshiba laptop. Her mother gave her the backups, which turned out to hold some 75,000 files, family photographs, yoga schedules, uh, you know, Chelsea's wedding planning charts, stuff like that, the seating charts for uh, Chelsea Clinton's wedding, that, that kind of stuff. Um, family photos, personal data, uh, but also a huge trove of documents related to Mr. Huffler's work as a Republican consultant. Do you th- what do you think there was more of on, that, on those files? Do you think it was more family photos and other personal data, or do you think it was more work as a Republican consultant. Of the 75,000 files on the bag filled with hard drives and thumb drives, what do you think? (laughs) What do you think was the majority of the files? I mean, well, yes, after you delete all of the yoga schedules and the seating charts. (laughs) The 33,000 there. Late last year, Hoffler said she contacted the Raleigh office of the advocacy group Common Cause, seeking its help in finding a lawyer unconnected to her father to help settle his estate. I just need to... I feel... Yeah, no, he passed away in August. It was very recent. August. So late last year, she contacted them after he was dead. He died in August. She contacted them after he was dead. Okay. So my timing was wrong there. Thank God. Because I was like, this, because it's, that opens up all sorts of other questions for me. So thank, thank goodness, because it didn't make sense. I'm thinking, why would she contact before? So she contacts them months after he's dead. She contacts Common Cause, which now tells me what? That... She's well aware of who Common Cause is. She has to be at this point. That's actually worse. Why would you contact Common Cause to try to find a lawyer unconnected to your dad and then you call the people that are suing him? (laughs) I want to find somebody unconnected to him. So you're suing him. That's not a connection. Okay. Um... Common Cause had recently filed a lawsuit in the state court challenging gerrymandered maps of North Carolina's legislative districts drawn by Hoffler himself. When the staff member told her of this lawsuit, Ms. Hoffler said, Wow, this might be of use. Mm, yes, the first time that dawned on you, huh? Lawyers for Arnold and Porter, the law firm representing Common Cause in the North Carolina lawsuit, subpoenaed the drives in February. So shortly after talking with her, they subpoenaed the drives. She finds out he dies in August. She goes down there, gets the drives, calls them. They then subpoena the drives. Are we to believe they didn't look at them? (laughs) Come on. And then there's there's one of my favorite lines of the story. By happenstance, the same firm was representing private plaintiffs 
pro bono in the principal lawsuit opposing the citizenship question. So the same law firm, the same law firm that Common Cause is using on the redistricting lawsuit is also is also litigating the question on the census of whether you can ask, are you a citizen or not? And it just so happens that the data in the plastic baggie filled of hard drives uh, just so happens that it has incriminating evidence on there as well. That Look at that. Hoffler's drives speak to both of the cases. What a, what was it? Happenstance. What a happenstance. Oh, my goodness. It's just coincidence, people. By the way, you notice what's never cited in any of this? This is all off of the court filing. This is all from this is all from Common Cause's court filing and the interview with Stephanie Hoffler. If you don't think they're working together in coordination on this, you're insane. The New York Times is part of it. They have access. They got to look at this thing before the the filing because this story dropped. Hang on, let me go over here because uh, NC Policy watches Melissa Boughton. She's kind of. She was a little peeved, a little miffed, I think, at, at the New York Times getting this story versus her and NC Policy Watch, because as they point out, they were the first to report on uh, the existence of the, uh, the Hoffler files. Okay, They were the first. The New York Times reported about the new development even before Common Cause did early Thursday morning in a, what she calls, significantly researched story the citing court documents that were filed the same day. <laughs> a significantly researched story. They have the court they have the court filing from Common Cause and they did the interview with the daughter. And that's it. That's the significant court uh, significantly researched story. This is not significant research. This is propaganda for the plaintiffs. That's all that's happening here. They got they got a file, a copy of the filing. They were all, they were allowed to write their story about it. They got access to Hoffler, and they interviewed her about it. They sprinkle her quotes in here, and that's their story. It was literally written from the filing. Um, unpublished. So all right. So at at the heart of the census question uh, issue is this analysis that was written by Thomas Hoffler in August of 2015. It was never published. Uh, he was hired to do this by the Washington Free Beacon, a conservative news outlet financially backed by Paul Singer, a billionaire New York hedge fund manager and major Republican donor. Does the New York Times ever identify themselves? Weren't they the ones that got, uh, weren't they the ones that got bought by, was it that Mexican, um, Billionaire Slim, wasn't that his name? <laughs> Something like that. They called him Slim. I think it was the New York Times. It's just, I, I just point out like how certain publications get named for their financial backers. Like you never see like the Washington Post. Like with the, if the New York Times is doing a story and they cite the Washington Post, like they never mention Bezos, owned by you know Jeff Bezos. Mr. Hoffler's charge was to assess the impact. So this was the so Washington Free Beacon pays Hoffler to do an analysis. And they said, "We want you to assess the impact of drawing political maps 
that are not based on a state's total population, but American citizens of voting age, which is actually more limited than just simply population. So voting age, American citizen population. Can you run an analysis on that? And so he does. Because at the time, the sponsor of the study, which I guess was the Washington Free Beacon, or maybe Paul Singer, they don't say. The New York Times does not say. It says, at the time, the study's sponsor. doesn't say who sponsored. It just says that he was hired by the Washington Free Beacon. So the Washington Free Beacon was considering whether to finance a lawsuit. That seems weird. Seems like Paul Singer would have been the one, right? He would have been the one. So are you saying Paul Singer was the study sponsor via the Washington Free Beacon? Is that what I'm to understand? It's unclear. But I think that's what they're trying to say. So Singer was considering whether to finance a lawsuit by conservative legal advocates that argued that counting voting age citizens was not merely acceptable, but required by the Constitution. So I want to really really put a point on this. The horror of what we're talking about here is that conservatives have a different idea about how to do the census, and they wanted data to support that idea because they were considering a lawsuit. And so they said, hey, can you do some data? And he said yes. And then he ran the data. The exhaustive analysis of the Texas state legislative districts concluded that such maps, quote, would be advantageous to Republicans and non-Hispanic whites. That's that's the the cohort, non-Hispanic white. Uh, And it would dilute the political power of the state's Hispanics. That's not a direct quote. For some reason, they directly quoted it would be advantageous to Republicans and non-Hispanic whites and it would dilute the political power of the state's Hispanics. Well, are you equating Hispanics with non-citizens there? Or are you saying that Hispanics would have diminished power because non-citizens would not be counted? Why? If, if non-citizens can't vote, why would it diminish their power? Right? Seriously, I, I'm unclear as to why this connection's getting made all the time. And part of my confusion, much like a lot of the debate about gender nowadays, part of my confusion here is the looseness of the definitions that the media is using. I've got another story in the stack from the Citizen Times talking about a big event that was held. Chamber did it a couple days ago. Where is it here? The... uh, yeah, here it is, by Dylan Davis. Asheville immigrants have real and tangible economic impact. It's a very lengthy story a couple weeks ago about the, you know, the benefits of immigrants in Asheville. Immigrant this, immigrant that, immigrant, 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 immigrant. You know what's never mentioned? Illegal. Illegal immigration never mentioned in the story. It's not. It's discussed as if all immigration is the same, and it's not. And it is duplicitous. It's dishonest. It's misleading. And when you cloud the debate, this is the problem with with the manipulation and the corruption of the language. When you when you drop words like illegal from illegal immigration, when you start trying to dress it up in different ways in order to mask what it is you are trying to do, 
We now can't have an honest discussion about what is actually going on. This is the problem as well. Why would Hispanic uh, voters, why would the state's Hispanics, that's what it says, the, the Times, the New York Times, the state's Hispanics, their power is diminished. So why? Are you assuming that they all vote Democrat? Are you assuming they can only be represented by Democrats? Are you assuming that non-citizens are voting and that's why they get more seats as elected officials, why Hispanics are getting these seats? What are you trying to say? His, the reason, Hoffler says, is that the maps would exclude traditionally Democratic Hispanics and their children from the population count. That would force Democrat districts to expand to meet the Constitution's one-person, one-vote requirement. So what Hoffler is saying here is that people are going to be afraid to answer the question. But he's not, asking, he's not talking about the census question. He's just looking at the numbers saying these are non-citizens and of and a voting age. Those are the two criteria. Citizen or not, 18 or over. Like those, that's it. How then do you eliminate traditionally Democratic Hispanics from the vote from voting? How, how are they eliminated? Unless they're non-citizens who are voting. What, what am I missing? I'm not the brightest bulb in the shed here, so what am I missing? Sounds like that's what he's saying. Um then this would force Democratic districts to expand to meet the Constitution's one-person, one-vote requirement. And in turn, that would translate into fewer districts in traditionally Democratic areas and a new opportunity for Republican mapmakers to create even stronger gerrymanders. The strategy carried a fatal flaw, however. The detailed citizenship data that was needed to draw the maps did not exist. So at the end of all of this, what do we come down to? We don't even know if this is accurate. <laughs> we don't even know. All he can do is go by data that is available. Nobody asks about the citizenship data, so he can't even tell you for sure. This is just speculation. We don't have accurate data, which, by the way, that's what the Republicans are arguing about. That's what their position is for asking the question. That's what their argument is in court. They're saying, we don't have accurate data. We want to ask the question. And Democrats are like... It's racist to ask the question. If you ask the question, then uh, Hispanics who are legal American citizens, they won't reply. They won't respond if they're asked if they're a citizen. Like, I don't understand. What do you think of Hispanic people in general that you think that they're Hispanic, they're American citizens, and they're going to say, I can't answer this because I'm a citizen and I'm Hispanic and therefore I'm afraid to say I'm a citizen. What a... They're... Democrats want there to be an overcount. You know why? Think it through. More Democrats in an area get you to your population goal number, right? And if you count non-citizens, it gets you to that number, and then you can carve out another section and put it into another district and win another district. More non-citizens give you more districts if you count them. And fewer non-citizens give you fewer districts, if you're Democrats. That's why they want non-citizens counted. That's why they want as many non-citizens counted in the census as possible, because it helps them. And Republicans want fewer non-citizens counted because it helps them. 
In other breaking news, water is wet. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. The Pete Callender Show. Do you want to save some money on a new roof? Of course you do. Who doesn't want to save money on a new roof? I don't know. Do you want to save money on a roof repair? Then uh, remember my name, Pete, and tell it to Balkan Roofing. And they'll give you $300 off any new roof or $75 off any repair. But you have to mention my name. I think they'll also let you mention the radio station. All right, so just get close. I'm not even going to tell you the last name because it's difficult. So uh, just say Pete on the radio. And you'll get $300 off any new roof, $75 off any repair. Only this month. You only got a couple days. Oh, wait. You got a day and a half. Time is ticking. 1-800-NEW-ROOF. Call them today. They're still open. 1-800-NEW-ROOF. BalkanRoofing.com. That's B-A-L-K-E-N Roofing.com. They are uh, third-generation roofers, family-owned and operated. Uh, They have the uh, Golden Pledge Warranty, uh, which is a 25-year workmanship and 50-year material defect. Uh, This is a warranty that is offered through GAF, the largest roofing shingle manufacturer in North America who trusts Balkan to put on their shingles, so much so that they warranty Balkan's work. They do metal roofs as well. If you want a metal roof, they do those too. Give them a call, 1-800-NEW-ROOF. Get the discount, mention my name. 1-800-NEW-ROOF. It's the last roof you'll ever buy. Um, 16 months after all of this uh, occurred with... Um, Hoffler and uh, his uh, the request for his uh, uh, research, his analysis on uh, what you know Texas would look like if only uh, you know citizens over the age of eighteen were voting. He ran the analysis. Eighteen months later, as President-elect Trump prepared to take office, Mr. Hoffler urged Mr. Trump's transition team to consider adding a citizenship question to the census. Uh, The transition official responsible for census issues, Mark Newman, said last year in a deposition in the Manhattan census lawsuit. Okay, so he says Hoffler suggested this. Newman testified that Hoffler told him using citizenship data from the census to enforce the Voting Rights Act would increase Latino political representation. But that is the opposite of what Hoffler's study had concluded months earlier. So therein lies the perjury issue for this guy, Newman. He said that Hoffler told him it would increase voter participation. And apparently what Hoffler actually found was it would not. So court records show Newman, a decades-long friend of Hoffler's, later became an informal advisor on census issues to the Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. By that summer, a top aide to Mr. This is back in 2016. Uh, Mr. Ross was pressing the Justice Department to say that it required detailed data from a census citizenship question to better enforce the Voting Rights Act. Sorry, 2017, after uh, Trump was in. So that's the heart of that matter for the litigation. And I don't know if Newman just made a mistake, if he said increase rather than decrease. I don't know. We'll find out. And if he lied knowingly, yes, he should be prosecuted for perjury. Absolutely. 
Was he trying to mislead the court on this stuff? If he was, he should be prosecuted for it. Absolutely. Because what Hoffler found should be what he found. You should not be able to mischaracterize what he found in order to, you know, advance an agenda when Hoffler didn't find that thing to be true. Um, back to the daughter. She said she believed that her dad was undermining American democracy. So just in case there was any doubt that there was any kind of political motivations at play here, which she says there wasn't, there was no personal or political animus at all. Oh, but by the way, dad's undermining American democracy. (laughs) Yeah, we'll finish up with the daughter in a minute. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. We've got here is the Pete Callender Show. Failure to communicate. Alrighty. Um, yes, Hugh points out the. Uh, we, we went over this earlier. Hugh says growth of population in the state is a part of the formula for allocating federal funding. Follow the money for objections to asking a question about citizenship. It's more than the uh, the federal funding. It's the number of congressional seats. If you don't count citizen, or sorry, if you don't count non-citizens, by ignoring non-citizens, a state's population is lower, and they lose seats. And if you lose those seats, states with higher citizen populations pick them up. That's right. And yes, federal funding formulas and everything else, absolutely. But states that have large populations of illegal immigrants would lose congressional representatives. They would lose members of the House. And states uh, that don't have large numbers of illegal immigrants would benefit um jim welcome to the program hello jim hey pete how are you i'm all right how are you excellent hey statistically speaking um the gentleman that presented that to the court he's absolutely right if you have a a pool on the statistical curve of 20 million people hispanics some legal some illegal you don't know which and they have one million uh, Hispanic legal citizen voters, then you're at five percent of the participation rate. If you um, decrease that pool and you find that, let's say five million, twenty-five percent of the uh, pool, the twenty million Hispanics are illegal, and fifteen million are legal and a voting age, then the voter participation rate goes up um, by the 25%, so that'd be 1.25%. Right. If, that, if that is the metric, but that's not, that's not what the New York Times said was the metric. It's not, politi- it's not the participation rate. It is 
Latino political representation. So the number of lawmakers uh, elected f- uh, that are Hispanic or Latino uh, elected by Latino voters, essentially. Well, then please email that guy and tell him that uh, what he meant was the statistical <laughs> voter participation. I, well, here's the thing. I don't know because the, the New York Times doesn't directly quote the uh, the testimony in that deposition from this fellow, Mr. Newman. Uh, they don't quote him, and so I don't know if that's a if what they're saying is what he said, or if they are reframing it, mischaracterizing it erroneously, mistakenly, or on purpose. I don't know, but I don't know if they're mischaracterizing what he was actually saying about Hoffler's study. Because if he was saying what you're saying, and the New York Times just rewrote it to say political representation, that means something different than what you've outlined. Well, political also. If I remember my citizenship, because it was tough enough remembering my uh, stat classes for macroeconomics, um, political uh, uh, representation has always, in my opinion, and I'd have to look it up, uh, has always meant uh, from American citizens. Because it hasn't. You go all. It, it hasn't. hasn't? No. Oh man. <laughs> well, thanks. Dang. Well, well hey, but this Asheville is, would know nothing about this without you, so thank well, you very much. Well, this and this is the heart of that argument, which I think is still a – that is a legitimate argument. Who who should be counted? Because – and this is what I said in the first hour. Like, I can see both sides of this argument, and I can actually argue probably both sides of this argument, because it, it seems there are merits to counting either everybody – or counting only citizens. I can see the merits of doing both because just because someone's here illegally, or how about this, they're not a citizen, but they are here legally. How do you count them, right? Um, should they be counted? If So what's the difference then? If they're a non-citizen, but they're, they're here legally, then why should we count them versus not counting an illegal non-citizen, right? Uh, if we're trying to allocate representation based on the number of human beings that are in a in a city, in an area, in a district, then it seems like you would count everybody because they're there. It's a human being. That person is there. But on the other hand, should they be there? No, they shouldn't. And so should they get to be counted and then uh, help influence the course of American uh, history and policy? I'm not so sure. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, I... I, I kind of am because I am pretty – I feel like I'm sure because if you're allocating scarce resources or finite resources um, that American citizens through taxes, et cetera, et cetera, have taken to the Treasury, um, I, just, I just believe that they should have the benefits and be the ones represented. Right. But here's the- it used to be no representation without – or no taxation uh, taxation without representation and i think the converse is also true i agree no representation but, without taxation but, you have to have a stake you have to be a stakeholder in my jim, opinion jim i agree but the problem is the local jurisdictions don't set the federal immigration policy and so the feds have broken yeah. it and now these people are in these cities and states that the cities and states are not empowered to do anything about it and now you're going to penalize them for having all of these people that you let in, and now you're not going to count them. And now I'm going to now I'm going to go bankrupt because of your policy. You see, like it's it's a double punishment to me. It's from the federal to the local. Uh, 
It's well, a I mess. Have faith Cong- I have faith government's going to cure this and fix it and get right on it. Okay. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> Pete, have a great day. All right. I appreciate it. You too. See, this is, this is a difficult question. And at the heart of it, though, is the completely broken immigration system. Thank you, Congress and presidents uh, over the last 50 years. You know, nobody can get anything done on this. That's the problem. It's, if that sounds like, by the way, your uh, experience selling your home, uh, you can't get anything done, uh, then maybe you need a new real estate agent. I would recommend Rowena Patton. In fact, I do right now, and I have for seven years. Rowena Patton, she's the only agent that I would use if I'm trying to sell a house or buy one. She has homes in all price points, and uh, she gets your house sold fast and for more money. They move very quickly. How? Well, without giving away all of her secrets which, by the way, she has a book where she goes over all of this. Uh, you can, uh, it, it, she's a best-selling author on this. It's true. She wrote a book. Do you know any other real estate agent that's written a book? UVPbook.com is the website, by the way. Um, and here's one of the ways that she does it. Well, she does the Homes for Heroes program, so it's the national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from realtor commissions up to $3,000 on a $400,000 house, and it's open to local police and military, firefighters, teachers, and healthcare workers. So you can keep some of your, your own money, 25% on the realtor commissions. She's on a mission to give back a million dollars, by the way. And um, she's like about three quarters of the way there. It's all local money to local folks. One of the other things that you do is you get your, uh, your inspection and appraisal done up front as the seller. This way you know what that house is worth before you list it. Because a lot of times... If you've ever sat with a real estate agent, what do they do? They sit down and they say, uh, well, we got some comps for the neighborhood. Now, unless you're living in like one of the very few types of uh, neighborhoods in Asheville, chances are the house down the street from you probably is nowhere near the same value as your house. It's one of the, it's, it is one of the unique characteristics of the mountains, I have noticed. Like, you don't have houses next door to each other, that just because one is worth half a million, the other is going to be worth half a million? No, that's not true. (laughs) So there are wide disparities between house values even on the same block, right? So get your house appraised, get your house inspected. You'll know what your house is worth when you you list it. And you're not just kind of throwing a number out there and saying, yeah, we'll see if we can get that number. And then the house languishes on the market for, you know, eight months. Don't be like that. Don't do that. Call Rowena. 333-4483. That's the phone number. 333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com is the website. And start packing. Um, All right, let me just wrap up this uh, last little bit from this New York Times story. The daughter of Thomas Hoffler, uh, she says she denies that she has any political or personal animus that motivated her taking all of these uh, these files uh, from her late father's home and turning them over to the uh, people that are suing him. And now that he's dead, I mean, not he was he was the one who drew the maps, and uh, he was working for the North Carolina Republican Party to draw up the districts. And he worked for others, by the way, too. So I'm sure there are other states that are going to find stuff too, because she gave all of this stuff over to the plaintiffs. And you can say it was the right thing to do, but don't tell me it's not motivated by personal or political animus. 
because the details in this very story, they give away the game here. She's lying. What we know about her relationship with her parents, just from actual media reports, where she went and took her kid from their custody. They had custody of her kid. And she went and took the kid, drove the kid back up to, like, West Virginia or something. Not or something, West Virginia. And then when the cops showed up, they lied. She had her husband lie to the cops that she and the kid were there. And then they heard the baby crying, and they were like, oh, we hear a baby crying. Who, who is that? The, is that is that your kid? No, no, no. I don't know who that is. Oh, look at that. Sure enough, it is her. She gets arrested. He gets arrested. The baby gets brought back down to, ma, uh, to grandma and grandpa. She was so estranged from this man, from her father. She hadn't spoken to him. She didn't. She claims in this story, she claims she didn't know he had died until she Googled him. And I don't believe that. I believe she Googled him to confirm he was dead. But I believe she was probably given a heads up that that was the case. Because she went and talked to Common Cause, got all of the information from her dad's house, and then handed it off to Common Cause. And called them up initially under the pretense, I would say the lie, that, uh, that she was looking for an attorney to help settle her father's estate. Why would you not give that to, I don't know, his clients? Why would you give it to Common Cause? If it wasn't motivated by political or, or uh, personal animus, why would you give it to his political adversaries, to the people that were suing over his work? Why wouldn't you give it to the people that he did the work for? Or why not just destroy it? She says she did it for transparency. And by the way, whenever anybody says transparency, you know what I hear? Lie. People who use that word nowadays, along with accountability, when I hear people start using that rhetoric, I know that hypocrisy is not too far. Okay? And she says it was devoid of personal or political animus. Although she believed he was undermining American democracy, she said, their estrangement stemmed not from partisan differences, but a family dispute that ended up in court. A family dispute that ended up in court, and you're telling me there's no personal animus? They took your kid. They said, they went to a judge and said, you were so unfit as a mother, they got the court to give, you, uh, to give them custody of your child. And you're going to tell me there's no personal animus? You know what I mean? Oh, transparency, definitely. It is very transparent what's happening here. No doubt about that. Ms. Hoffler described herself as a political progressive who despises Republican partisanship, but also has scant respect for Democrats. A political progressive she hates Republicans, but I have little respect for Democrats. Anybody, show of hands, who do you think she votes for? Do you think she votes for Democrats or Republicans? What do you think? No, so no political animus, self-described political progressive that despises Republicans and has little respect for Democrats. No political animus. No personal animus even though her dad won custody of her own child from her. Yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't know why anybody would question her motives in any of this. She said her father was a brilliant cartographer, map maker, very nice use of the word there, New York Times, not a direct quote, who was deeply committed to traditional conservative principles like free will and limited government. As a child, she said, she was schooled in those same principles, but every successive gerrymandered map he created only solidified her conviction that he had abandoned them in a quest to entrench his party in permanent control. That doesn't sound like somebody who's not paying any attention to what her dad's been up to. That doesn't sound like somebody who would be unaware that her dad died. That sounds like somebody who's tracking. It sounds like somebody who's paying very close attention to the work that he's doing with every map. That, I mean, maybe the New York Times is embellishing here. Maybe they're writing it up in a way that is not accurate. Wouldn't be the first time for the New York Times, right? She said, quote, he had me with the idea that we are made to be free. And then he lost me. He lost me, she says. You had nothing to do with any of that? It's all him? It was all on him? Because he was drawing all those evil maps for the Republicans that you despised? Couldn't be that you were just like, I don't know, the victim of your own really poor life choices? Because that's what the news article seems to indicate. You don't make very good choices. I mean, I didn't even get into the details here of, like, her husband, the criminal complaint uh, that she filed against her husband that said, like, uh, that he had uh, burned her with frying pans and bruised her and kept her locked up and stuff and then, uh, and then refused to corroborate any of the information when they went to court. Uh, So, not that I'm saying that, not that I'm blaming her for the abuse that she obviously suffered, but I would suspect there were a series of life choices that occurred leading up to this guy's, into her relationship with this dude, and she seems like she blamed her dad for some of those choices. And maybe he was to blame, I don't know. But don't tell me it's not a personal animus or political animus, that's of course what it was. Of course it was. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. The Pete Callender Show. Alrighty, so apparently Marcus Lamonis from Camping World is going to be at the Statesville Gander Outdoor RV lot at about 5.30. So uh, if I leave now, I can probably make it, get an autograph. No, I'm kidding. Um feel kind of hurt he responded to a, a bunch of different people he hasn't responded to me though it's kind of hurtful i even follow him i watch his show maybe i should totally go number one fan status on him no um but all that's to say that uh, i think we're probably going to push that until tomorrow because if there's hopefully going to be some audio that we can play as part of this story marcus Lemonis, you he said he'd rather go to jail than take down the big american flag that the city of statesville is fining them uh for flying because it's too big so uh, he's not going to be there until like 5.30. So by the time he makes his comments, we're going to be off air. So I think we'll just push that to tomorrow. Also, I ran a little long on that last topic. So now I got to scramble to make up time here. It's completely unrelated.
This is the Pete Callender Show on News Radio 570 WWNC. All right, apparently LaCroix sparkling water is not doing very well. That's shocker. Why would you say shocker? <laughs> Do you, have, have you tasted that stuff? I don't like any of the flavored ones. Uh-huh. I like the plain water ones. Ugh. Do you see me do that when, you, when you're like, oh, I like, you know, whatever food you eat. <laughs> I, I saw the perfect explanation for, for these sparkling waters the other day. That spark, all sparkling waters taste like what your foot feels like when it's asleep. Kind of right. Here's the thing, though. I don't. Um, I don't really eat sugar. I don't put sugar in my coffee. I use sweet and low. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't. I don't drink soda really. I mean, unless, like, I'm on the road or something, and that's all that's available. But generally, I'm. I'm I don't. I drink coffee. And I drink water. Mm-hmm. That's what I drink. But sometimes I want. I want the fizz. You know. Where else am I going to go to get the fizz except a carbonated beverage? And if I can get a carbonated beverage that has nothing in it, which is what LaCroix, the plain water one, is just straight up clear water, just carbonated. Because mm-hmm. I can do like the mineral water, but those always have a little bit of a taste and they're more expensive. Ingalls got the LaCroix for like, I think it was, the other day it was like three for 22 cents or something like that. I don't know. It was... <laughs> Like three cases. <laughs> it's like a pallet for a quarter. No, um, but yeah, they do, they do these deals on them, and it's they're convenient. They're cans and they're carbonated, and like uh, this is now very disturbing to me because now I'm gonna have to go like drink what's the other ones? Pellegrino. That stuff's expensive. So what are they shutting down, Lacroix? Apparently, the stock is in free fall. Oh man. It's all due to the uh, freaking millennials. Ugh. Millennials giveth and they taketh away. I tell you, you people, I hate you. Um, they uh, apparently it's over the natural claim regarding the natural claim of the brand's flavoring ingredients. I am fine if every single flavor goes away, and all that's left is just the blue clear one. Totally fine with that. Fewer people than that are going to be buying my my waters. Apparently, they're getting sued because they said it was you know natural or something, and, and there's a fight over what is natural or not. I'm of the opinion that everything on the planet is natural because it's occurring in nature, even stuff that we have to make. It's natural, right? The only other thing is supernatural. Everything else is natural in my mind. So. You would want me on your jury, LaCroix, just saying. <laughs> um, Is this like the Bud Light lawsuit with the yeah. the Bud Light and you Miller? You can't say there's corn syrup in it, but you can say corn syrup is used to make it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, then there's apparently fans are very upset at Kylie Jenner for her skincare promo video where she barely washes her face. This is what... This is what the millennials are outraged about. LaCroix and Kylie Jenner's 
facial washing habits. But, by the way, have 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 you seen an update on Mandy Moore? Did did she, did she die on Mount Everest? I haven't or? seen her mentioned, so I'm assuming she's still alive on Everest. <laughs> I'm guessing so. This is I us. Saw the report the other day that she had, or yesterday, that she had reported in from base camp and mm. was getting ready to make her ascent to the summit. Yeah, this mm, week on a very special. This is us. Yeah. Um, you'll be treated like you're very special when you go to the joint, but they treat everybody like that. So. But you are special. I don't want to minimize that at all. But they do treat everybody like that because they're just great people. And they're open seven days a week. What is The Joint? Glad you asked. Thejoint.com is the website you can go to look at and learn more about The Joint. But The Joint is a revolution in chiropractic care. Uh, and they just decided, hey, why don't we strip out all of the, uh, the, all the costs uh, of, a, of a full medical facility and let's just focus on keeping the spine aligned. Because when your spine is out of alignment, it affects so many other parts of your body causing pain and you know chronic aches and such and uh you know pinched nerves and and that sort of, and all these all these painful feelings so why don't we keep the spine aligned just focus on that and if you strip out all of those overhead costs then you end up with a very very affordable uh uh offering so the wellness plan $59 gives you four visits in a month which is 15 bucks a visit 15 bucks a visit, and it takes you like five or 10 minutes. You walk in, you get your spine aligned, walk out. That easy. Owned by North Carolina Chiropractic PC, operated by Mountain Wellness Inc. Thejoint.com, as I mentioned earlier, is the website. It's relief on so many levels. Um, let's see here. I mentioned earlier the uh, story in the Citizen Times the other day about Asheville immigrants have, quote, very real and tangible economic impact, report shows. I don't think anybody is in denial that immigrants have a very real and tangible economic impact. I don't think that's up for debate. I think even, I think even people who want to see immigration shut down completely, I think even they would acknowledge that immigrants have a very real and tangible impact. Is it all good? <laughs> right? Well, if you listen to the, if you read the story, it's all fantastic. Nary a negative is mentioned. Asheville's foreign-born workers contribute almost a billion dollars to the area's gross domestic product and paid more than $113 million in taxes in 2016, according to a new report by New American Economy. The coalition, made up of business leaders and government officials, found that immigrants in Asheville play vital roles in industries like construction and tourism, representing at least 11% of the workforce in both fields. That report, which tracked all workers born outside the U.S., regardless of their immigration status, was highlighted during a May 21st policy event at the Asheville Area Chamber of Commerce. Okay, quick, quick question. Why would, the, um, why would the report only track workers born outside of the U.S. regardless of their immigration status? Why would you seek to not have a breakout? I'm not saying don't collect all that data. I'm saying collect all of it and then break it out into the two cohorts. Because there are two populations, right? You've got the cohort of 
legal immigrants and you have a cohort of illegal immigrants. And they are different. Don't you think so? Do you think their economic impacts would be different? Of course they would. Yeah, of course they would. Here's one for starters. Legal immigrants, they have to be paid minimum wage and they have rights that they can pursue against their employers for not paying them accordingly. Illegal immigrants, for example, um, they are oftentimes paid below minimum wage, below market rates. They're usually paid under the table in cash if they don't have documents, which are oftentimes illegal. And then there's another cost associated with the, you know, identity theft issues and all of that. Um, but the people who are working, who are here illegally, they're also uh, more susceptible to blackmail, essentially, right, to uh, to being threatened with deportation by their employers if they try to file any complaints, stuff like that. So there are economic costs. They're never mentioned in this study or this story. Maybe they were in the study, and the reporter here, Dylan Davis, just didn't bother to report any of that to us because there's no cost mentioned whatsoever in any of this article. It's all just positive, which is fine, but it's not the whole story. It's not, dare I say, the truth, because the truth is there are costs and there are benefits. One of the costs, for example, with people who are here that are, uh, that are here illegally and working is that they put more pressure on housing supply. And that's a really big deal in this town, as far as I think I'm pretty, I think I've gathered that, right? I'm, I'm catching a drift here that affordable housing is pretty important to a lot of the uh, Asheville leadership. Affordable housing, if you have a limited supply of it, uh, it becomes even more limited. That supply becomes even more limited if you have more demand. And when you have people that are here illegally and as such getting paid less money therefore they can't afford as nice of a house right they can't afford the more expensive housing so now they are competing they have more demand for the affordable housing they're also competing with other people for jobs and i know that's a difficult sell to make right now with the unemployment being so low but they do compete with people for jobs um 11% of the workforce. They represent at least 11% of the workforce in construction and tourism. They only make up about half of that percentage by population, though. So they are overrepresented in those two areas um, by population. Chamber officials have argued for the economic benefits of immigration. See, there it is again. The economic benefits of immigration. Look, I believe in the economic benefits of immigration. I also believe there are costs. There are economic costs of illegal immigration. See, they're, they're, they're different things. It's sort of like uh, I like low levels of unemployment. I do not, do not like low levels of unemployment for seven-year-olds. Right? Like I want there to be high levels of unemployment for seven-year-olds. I don't think seven-year-olds should be put to work in the factories, okay? 
but I would, but I, otherwise, I like unemployment being low. There's a difference. You're talking about different groups of people. You're talking about different cohort. It is different. And when I see stuff like this, like, what are you trying to do here? You realize, I like, people see through what you're doing when you just lump it all together as immigration and you're trying to, do you think we don't realize what you're saying, like, that you're playing a little loose and fast with the whole immigration versus illegal immigration? Oh, it's just all immigration. Look at the benefits of immigration. There are benefits. I want... I'm, I want there to be a very, shall I dare say, robust immigration system. I want, I want us to have the best and the brightest of the world coming here. I do. And if look, if we need massive waves of unskilled labor to take all of the jobs Americans won't do, then legalize it. Right then, then just open it up and say, "Let's have all." But you got to have the rules in place. You got to sign the guest book on the way in. You know, um, Kate Brick, director of state and local initiatives at New American Economy, said immigrants make up a relatively low share of Asheville's metropolitan population at five point three percent, but accounted for almost one quarter of local population growth. She said that's important as population increases are tied to economic growth as well as expanding tax bases, boosting consumer spending, and filling in gaps in the workforce. It's all just benefits. So 5.3% of the population but account for a quarter of the population growth. Again, housing. What of the housing? No costs here, though. No costs. Asheville's metropolitan area includes Buncombe, Haywood, Henderson, and Madison counties. And the report found foreign-born households in the region earn $489 million in the period studied. And of that total, more than $72 million went to federal taxes. Another $41 million paid into state and local taxes. All benefits, no costs. I mean, it, it truly is remarkable to, to do... This is a three-page story to do this kind of story and not mention cost at all. In an analysis about the economic impact, there's not a single mention of costs. It's pretty amazing. Um, immigration is one of the central policy directives of President Donald Trump, who ran on building more than a 1,900-mile barrier on the U.S.-Mexico border. He also canceled the Obama-era Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals program, stripping away protections from 1.3 million dreamers, or immigrants, brought to the U.S. as children. Illegally. Illegally. There it is again. Dude. See, this is the thing. Like I've read a lot of Dylan Davis's work in the Citizen Times over the last few years, I've been impressed with it. I've said so. I think he does a good job. And then I read this, and it's like, what are you doing? What do you, how do you not – do you think I don't see this? Do you think your readers don't see this? Or do you think that everybody's just virtue signaling in some, like, group grope kind of, uh, oh, it's fantastic kind of response? I, I don't understand. Words have meaning. Journalists know this. Wordsmiths know this. Under Trump, arrests for illegally crossing the Mexican border and undetected illegal border crossings are down. Both trends that predate his presidency. The former... Are you aware of what happened today? 
the illegal border crossings, illegal arrests for illegal crossings are down. You know why? Because the word has gone out, my friend. They are now claiming asylum. You know what happened today? A thousand people arrested at once. They are they are they're catching a thousand people a day on the border. And they're claiming asylum. That's why arrests for illegal crossings are down. All these asylum uh, asylees, they're like, they're using the loopholes. They're using our own laws and over, uh, overloading the system, and people then get through. It's not rocket science. Um, at the end here, it says, uh, it's a policy that could be troublesome in cities like Asheville. Trump's proposal, um, which has touted the state's lowest unemployment rate for about four years, spelling a worker shortage for some local employers. You know what happens in a worker shortage? Salaries go up. That's what happens in a worker shortage. Salaries, wages, they go up because you got to pay for people. That's what happens, which is a good thing, isn't it? No, it's not mentioned, though. Corey Hackney, an employment manager at Omni Grove Park Inn, said some immigration change must come. I agree there. We need to make it easier for people to find a pathway to citizenship, maybe if they're undocumented. That it's the only reference there. And so I'm just I'm, I'm astounded as to how you do an entire story about the economic impact of immigration and failed to talk about illegal immigration and actual costs of illegal immigration. This is why this is why you get this is why you get labeled as a democrat with a byline, you know? Because you're acting as a propagandist for a particular philosophy. And maybe you're fine with that, but I just I can't now I can't trust the stuff that's being written, you know? Not like now. And I, truth be told, I don't ever really trust it. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. The Pete Callender Show. All right, I've got a couple minutes here. Let me get Tommy on before the news. Hello, Tommy. How are you? Hey, Pete. How you been doing, man? Hey, I am well, sir. How are you? Well, I remember a while back ago you told me to call you and update you about my documentary that I would be doing. Okay, I I don't. I'm sorry, but you're here to update me. It's called 28 Years Later, mm-hmm. and tomorrow it is uploading onto. It'll be going up on my channel, and it is part one, and part two is going on Sunday. We'll be uploading on Sunday. And what is it about? It is basically how I come to meet my biological parents. I am adopted. Uh, my I was adopted as a baby. To my parents, which I love so much, and um, recently uh, my biological mother contacted me, and um, so I have made a whole entire documentary about me going to meet them and just uh, how everything unfolds in in this uh, epic tale of a, of a story. How long of a uh, of a tale is it? Two parts, basically. How long are the parts? Are they like like six hours a piece or something like that? Or, um, the the number two is kind of kind of long, but the first one is kind of short. Okay, like half hour. I apologize. I don't have the appropriate times in front of me right now. I'm sorry. I apologize. Did it feel like I don't know, like days, or did it feel? <laughs> I'm kidding. 
so you so got a two-part uh, documentary. They're going to be on your YouTube channel, which for people who do not know what your YouTube channel is, tell them. Uh, Tommy NC2010, T-O-M-M-Y NC2010, all, all one word. And uh, it's I'm going to be dropping it possibly early in the morning. And this is part one, and part two will be dropping on Sunday. Did you get all of the uh, the release forms signed and everything? Everybody signed release forms. They know they were on TV and everything. Like they're not going to. They're yeah, not going to. They're not going to. Okay, they're not going to sue you afterwards for using their image and likeness. You know, without permission. Nothing like that. No, no. Right. Okay. No, I don't think so. <laughs> all right. So, uh, all right. See, so this was all done. Did you? How'd uh, you? How'd you, uh, you film it? How'd you shoot it? Um, I shot it with my 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 camera, and my sister in law was the DP in charge. She did most of the filming. I did some of the filming, but she did most of the filming. Us walking in, we actually met at a Golden Corral. And that was kind of awesome. At the same time, we had our own little private VIP area. Oh, that's cool. Where I got to. Yeah, so now, did you did, you, did you do the thing where, like, you, you you go there at the end of the brunch or the end of the breakfast buffet, and then you just wait long enough, you just keep eating long enough to, until they, they whip out the lunch, and then you can get breakfast and lunch? I have no, I actually have never heard that before. That, I is, that is my tip for you, okay? So next time, so if you wake up and you're like, I really want breakfast, you go to you go to the Golden Corral and you go during breakfast, but you go at the end, and then they start switching over to the lunch, and then you just keep eating, so you get breakfast and lunch. <laughs> My rule is when I go to the Golden Corral is I have two plates and then I cut it off and then I have dessert, and that's my philosophy on eating at Golden Corral. That's that's a very good philosophy. I do one, but I usually ask like for one of those big silver trays that like all of the food is stacked on under the heat lamp. And I like, just give me that plate. And then I just fill that plate up. So it's kind of the same. It's like the same as what you do. I feel like. Um, also Pete, I want to let you know something. I am live on my channel as I'm talking to you right now. I'm glad I did not curse. I'm glad, I'm, no glad that, I'm glad I didn't curse. That and also the FCC would probably get me for that. Uh, all right, so Tommy NC 2010, it's on the YouTube. You can check it out. It's gonna. You say you're going to uh, upload it tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. All right. Uh, and then the next part you say is going to drop when? Sunday. Sunday. All right. So if you're looking for something to watch, Tommy's 28 Years Later documentary uh on youtube starting tomorrow tommy thanks for the update buddy i appreciate it and uh i look forward to watching it have a great day Pete. Hi, buddy you too the pete calendar show on wwnc It's 84 degrees in West Asheville. This live weather update is brought to you by T.P. Howard's Plumbing, handling Western North Carolina's plumbing emergencies for 35 years. You can call them at 628-1369. And uh, that theme song means it's uh, Todd Bad News Borg joining us now from the Weather Channel. What is up, Bad News? Hey, you had to really dust that one off. Yeah, it's been, it's a, been while. a while. It's, it's been, been a while. Here. Well, because uh, the weather hasn't been terrible. 
So I we have exactly. Well, it, it, we're summer, and yeah, I guess so. <laughs> we so maybe needed that's you. a good thing for you. Yeah. And it really, I honestly, I have nothing bad to really tell you. I suppose. I mean, I can I could find some bad things. I'm pretty good at that. Well, I suspect you've been pressed into service, like for the rest of the country, that's been suffering through tornadoes and flooding. It sounds like so. Yeah, and it's amazing how just active that's been. Considering yeah. that, it, it just, all you got to do is go back to last year. And the severe weather season was virtually non-existent. I mean, it was certainly there, but it was not as widespread and certainly not as uh, intense as what we've had not only just this month, but really just in the past week alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's been uh, it's been a little bit um, busy with that. But uh, hopefully we're starting to see an end of that severe trend in the next couple of days. But uh, really for us, I mean, it's it's been somewhat of a dry stretch, not mm-hmm. really uh, that bad, but... Partly cloudy as we head through tonight and the overnight. Maybe a stray shower here and there, low 62. And then we uh, have some fog out there, and that's nothing new. Trending mostly sunny for your Friday. Now, we do have a chance for a couple of showers and storms for the afternoon. I threw that in there because, hey, i got to bring something bad. <laughs> Our highs, uh, low 80s. But, hey, we have sunshine for Saturday, low 80s for highs. Maybe a stray shower or storm Sunday afternoon, low 80s once again. But considering the entire stretch of the southeast, looking at temperatures in the 70s and 80s, that's great. Everywhere else has been uh, pushing well in the 90s with this yeah. heat wave that's been uh, all across the southeast. So, yeah, at a little elevation, you guys are doing great. That's not terrible. Yeah, I mean, even uh, even some showers uh, here and there, not not terrible. Uh, yeah, I mean, we do need the rain now. It's so dry. Yeah. I, I know. I wish I had something bad. I, I, I feel like I have to live up to this name. Yeah. And, uh, you, right, know, well, you, I know, just... you know what? It's fine. We'll just, we'll, we'll just have to, you know, we'll just just delete the song. Just no more song. <laughs> just he doesn't get the song anymore. Oh man, I feel like I feel like one of those starters in baseball where I, I used to have the fastball and I had like five other pitches, and now I don't have anything, and I'm being regulated to like the bullpen, and I'm starting to realize that that's that's it. If I want to keep my career, I got to go to the bullpen. So yeah. that could be just not so bad news, or you're some like irritating uh, news, Boric. That's it. Uh, crash. The Kevin Costner character no, lo- in Bull such, Durham, that, you know, Bull you hit Durham your hit your home run in Asheville, but uh, <laughs> nobody exactly really cares it. about Five it. Five people have realized it. That's it. <laughs> you know that was actually filmed in Asheville. It, it, it was. That, well, that that's scene was. How authentic that was too. Yeah. You had the tourist jersey on everything. Yeah. Oh, look that's, at look at Boric knowing the name of the team in Asheville. You know what? I, I've been on a couple of game shows in my life. Really. Yeah. How do you know? Are you like a minor league baseball fan, or are you I, I, just? I love baseball. That's my that's my favorite sport by far. So, have you ever been and to actually, a tourist game? My, oh, I'm sorry. Have you been to a tourist game in Asheville? You no, know, I have never been. I actually, uh, I had, uh, I did some weather out in West Virginia for a couple of years. I went to West Virginia Power Game. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, a um, little bit down the line there, but uh, I believe that's all part of the Sally League there. How about the uh, Springfield Isotopes? The ice. See, what a, again? Another great name for a science team. You got the, um, no, the that's lug the nuts, Simpsons. Lansing lug nuts. Oh, that, no, the isotopes is from the Simpsons. That's the oh, nuclear. I, I missed that. That's the there nuclear a, power. There, there is there is an isotopes out in like uh, New yeah, Mexico, like out in Vegas. Oh, I think. Is yeah, exactly. Yeah. It totally is. That's why I thought you were going. I totally heard isotopes. Oh, right. uh huh. That's See, not surprising. That's a, uh, minor league, uh, minor league clubs, man, they're 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 amazing. Um, just their the names and the marketing and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, well, so here's the thing: if you get to a get a chance to go to an Asheville tourist game, um, it's where Kevin Costner hit the the home run. 
And, and he hit that from the left side. No, he was right side on that yeah, one. Yeah, he, he was a righty. Sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he could hit from both sides of the power from both sides of the plate. But he hit it to left field, I believe, because it was that, uh, right over our sister station's call letters, WKSF, right, yeah. on, all right on the back all billboard. That's so fascinating. Yeah. Now, I will give Costa credit. He swings the bat well. Um, when he pitched that perfect game for the Tigers um, in uh, – Oh, for the gosh, love of the game. For the love, for of, the love game. of the game. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he didn't quite have that. Uh, I, I, he didn't quite have the throwing motion like he does with the bat swing. I think he probably learned uh, better motion after he threw the guy off the building uh, in the Untouchables. It probably helped him. <laughs> that's right. He, that's right. He needed the Untouchables to become a good baseball player. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, righty. Hey, Todd. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks so much. All right, take care. All right, that's Todd. Next, uh, next, next right, bad time. Next yeah, week. next bad weather cycle. All right. <laughs> All right, see ya. All right, Todd Bork from the Weather Channel. So we got to remember that. Bork and baseball. So if the weather's okay, maybe we get him some baseball themes. Like some John Fogarty or yeah, something. Well, that's the obvious one. But yes. <laughs> Here's the obvious pick for automotive repair, Jimmy's Automotive. Look, I know, nobody likes automotive repair. Unless you're a car guy, and the guys at Jimmy's are car guys, so they like automotive repair. But most people, it's not something you wake up like, got to get me some automotive repair today, you know? Um, And they know this. And they know that a lot of times it's intimidating. People walk in there, men and women, you walk in there, and you don't really know what's happening with the vehicle. You don't understand it, and it's intimidating. And you're relying on them to tell you the truth and to do good work and to make sure the problem got fixed. It's why I'm recommending Jimmy's. It's why I do recommend Jimmy's, because that's what they do. They can tell you what's going on with the vehicle, and they can do it in terms that are not like car speak, you know? Um, Make it understandable. Jimmy explained to me, um, for example, why, like, uh, what the rotors being machined means. Because he mentioned the term pad slappers. I said, what's a pad slapper? He said, in the industry, there are people who just slap brake pads onto your car when that's not the thing that actually needs to be fixed. Yes, the brake pads got worn down, but they got worn down unevenly. They got worn down unevenly because the rotors that the brake pads sit on, basically, they get super hot, especially going down mountains, you know. They get super hot, and then if you slam on the brakes, it warps that rotor, and the brake pad then wears unevenly because of the warping of the rotor. So you gotta you gotta fix that rotor, you gotta machine it, you gotta flatten it out. Otherwise you're just gonna keep slapping pads and you're gonna be back time and time and time again. And you'll know, because when you're braking in your car, you'll feel it and the car will brake unevenly. Even though you're applying pressure on the brake pad at a consistent force, you're gonna feel the car kind of woo 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 like that, if that makes sense. You can, you can use that sound effect. They'll understand what you're talking about, I think. Jimmy's Automotive. 658 Jimmy'sAuto.com. It's where customers send our friends. I still have audio. Yeah, okay, thank you. Mark says the isotopes are in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah, Albuquerque. Albuquerque. And the reason it was chosen was because it was a fan contest, and the fans chose the nickname... Because in one of the episodes of The Simpsons, Homer was mad that the Springfield isotopes were going to be moving to Albuquerque. Great marketing. Yep. Great marketing. Uh, This is 
Audio from the other night, Civic Center renaming. This is Gwen Whistler. Do you want to know why she voted for it? They voted 6-1 to one to rename the Civic Center, the Harris Cherokee Center Asheville. Okay. Um, no casino in the name. Here's Whistler. It is contentious. We have received uh, a lot of emails. Um, but what, I base, what I'm basing my decision on, it's a incredibly generous payments that will help with the renovation of the Thomas Wolf Auditorium, which is absolutely essential. The brand of Harris Cherokee will not confuse visitors that, that the, the center is a casino, which was one of my original concerns. The Cherokee organization is very visible already in this community. Um, if you go around, you see advertising a lot, and I haven't seen um, adverse effects from that highly visible um, presence. And as it's clear that the Cherokee organization has been very generous to our local nonprofits, and, and to me, this is uh, this is recognition of that generosity, and I feel like it's pretty, it would be pretty uh, disingenuous of us to be accepting that money on, from nonprofit, all those nonprofits to be accepting that money, but yet we won't have it on, we won't have that name on a building. It is kind of interesting, right? Like, it's the, it's almost like there's some, some little bit of shame in the association that was being expressed by. Uh, the the opponents of the Harrah's name getting uh, picked, you know? Like, oh, we'll take all their money for all this other stuff. We'll take gambling money, you know, to fund schools. But, you know, we don't want their... We, we, we don't want to see their name. Um, and then Councilman Keith Young, who I generally do not agree with on really anything, uh... I agree with him on his assessment and why he voted yes. Okay. I don't have a question. I'm just going to make a statement. I tried to be quiet tonight. I did. Uh, well, I'm curious on that. Why was he trying to be quiet at the city council meeting? Because he was so worn out from the last meeting fighting for, fighting everybody, for everybody else everybody except else. for himself. Either that or he was afraid he was going to get audio played of himself on this show. Um, I am so sleepy right now. It is almost 10 o'clock. I'm sleepy. All right. Well, we'll take a break then and uh, let him recover. The Pete Callender Show on WWNC. The Pete Callender Show. All righty. So are you uh, watching the stock market, wondering what it's going to do to your retirement accounts, your IRA, your 401k, your SEP, whatever, uh, whatever plan you have, um, how about having an expert take a look at it and give you a second opinion, if you will. Uh, you can call Raymond Marks and he'll give you a complimentary retirement readiness review. And uh, generally it starts off with him chatting with you about what you want to do in your retirement. And you don't know where you're going if you don't know where you're going, then you you don't know how to get there. And so if you want to travel, you're going to need an income stream to pay for that. Um, if you are working right now and you think you're just going to retire and you know live off what you've saved, that's fine until you run out of the savings. Are you going to rein in your budget at all? Are you going to spend less? Or 
you know, like some people like you set aside, let's say you set aside $500,000, but you're spending 50 grand a year. So 10 years down the road, not even accounting for inflation, you're out of money. You see the problem. What if you live longer than, you know, 10 years in retirement? Then what do you do? Raymond Marks can help you. Give him a call at 800-715-4755. 800-715-4755. And uh, he'll work with you to help better understand your unique financial situation, your personal goals for the long road. Uh, and then he'll show you how a custom, comprehensive retirement plan can help get you on the right path towards achieving your personal lifestyle and your financial goals throughout your retirement. Give him a call at 800-715-4755 or go to RaymondMarks.com. That's Raymond, M-A-R-X.com. Um, sorry, I was looking at the uh, Marcus Limonis press conference going on in Statesville. All right, here is uh, City Councilman Keith Young. Um, after telling us he wasn't going to speak very much and hasn't spoken very much and he was pretty sleepy, was he's kind of tired, uh, now he's going to tell you why he voted yes on the Harris name for the uh, naming rights deal for the Civic Center. Yes. I'm yawning. You don't have your drink. Right I don't have my caffeine with me tonight. I'm going to try to address some things I heard here tonight. We've got several, several uh, folks that reached out to each individual council members, council as a whole, voicing their opinions about Harris and the U.S. Cellular Center and the naming rights. Um, in no particular order, I'll just try to address some of it. Um, start with the city of Asheville and Buncombe County. Uh, I'll start with the city of Asheville. Charlotte is the biggest uh, municipality in our state. West of Charlotte, the largest municipality, is the city of Asheville. And I heard some things here tonight about uh, Harris want to piggyback off of the success of Asheville. And uh, the truth of the matter is that Asheville is the economic driver of all of Western North Carolina. Everybody piggybacks off of the success of Asheville. That's why it's promoted. That's, you have all these different areas uh, within Western North Carolina that have their own individual identities, that have their own specific facets of things that people come visit them for whether it be nature or the casino or whatever it may be, all these different counties that, that make up Western North Carolina um, have economic success based on tourism that comes to Asheville. That's one part. So I don't think there's any piggybacking per se. I would say Asheville is the economic driver of Western North Carolina. Uh, secondly, I think, uh, you know, by the TDA kind of putting their finger on the scale on this thing. Um, Wait, it, what? It did, it did cause some people to, to have some attention on the issue, whether that be positive for the U.S. Cellular Center or positive for Harris or vice versa. Uh, it piqued a lot of interest. Um, we got that. We saw that. With that piqued interest, um, with that peaked interest, I would say this. If, if, the, if the TDA was so up in arms about this process, it could have, they could have easily put in a bid and it'd be named the Explore Asheville Arena. It could have happened. They, they chose not to. They chose to weigh in after the fact, after it came out that we got Harris. 
This is a this is a point I've not heard anybody else make, and I think he's exactly right to make it that the tourism folks could have put their money. That would have been an acceptable use for marketing purposes. They could have taken the money and used it to fund the naming rights of the Civic Center. They could have done that. And then the city could have said, oh, this is money going to fund infrastructure needs for tourism, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't. Maybe it was too much. Maybe Harris outbid them or something, but they didn't didn't seem like they made an offer of any kind. I think that's a fair that's a very fair point. Nobody else has suggested that. I wonder if anybody's going to ask the tourism folks, why didn't they get into that uh, bidding contest? Like, why not? It's marketing. All right. Um, news is next. And Hannity, we'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone. The Pete Callender Show. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, I hear that asteroids machine calling my name from the game room. So, peace.